Welcome to the Life of Christ series 2, term 4. This is lesson 36. We are going to pick up right where we left off. And uh, that is in John 3.16. We were looking at a quote from Leon Morris. And uh, we looked at the fact that Jesus said, For God so loved the world. And we, we saw that the Jew was ready enough to think about God loving Israel, but nothing in their writings talk about the rest of the world. Anything that says that God loved the rest of the world. It is a distinctively Christian idea that God's love is wide enough to embrace all people. And His love is not confined to any national or spiritual elite. And we were, we were talking about that as well, to be careful that we don't think of ourselves as a spiritual elite. It is a love that proceeds from the fact that He is love. Now that's really important. We need to understand that God is love. Alright? It doesn't say that God has love. It says that God is love. Now, I need you to think about this for just a minute. Whenever you walk out of love, okay, it means that love itself now is being rejected. You follow me for a minute, okay, if you can. All right? We're again talking about God so loved the world, okay? And we're understanding that that comes from a God that is love, all right? So we need to be careful here. Now, we need to just look at this for just a moment. In the fact that since God is love, whenever you decide you don't want to walk in love, you are... Now, somebody once said that, oh, if you're, if you're not walking in love, then you're walking out of God. Hang on a minute. God is love, alright, but He's not the love that you're having, okay? You, ha- you can have love. You can walk in love, you can walk out of love, alright? Love itself isn't God, in, in a sense. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so be careful how you look at that, alright? But what I need you to understand is God, in His being, is love. He is love. So, when you make a decision not to walk in love, then you, by, just by doing that, you, you put a wall up between you and God. Now do you understand Mark 11, 25 and 26? Can I just read that? Just give me one second. He says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. When you decide not to forgive someone, alright, the reason that God can't forgive you is because you're no longer allowing Him access to you. Did you get that? Okay? Because people preach this wrong. They get it wrong. They don't understand what Jesus actually meant here. Alright? They come up with all kinds of weird doctrines. Alright. So what, what, what this tells us, what this shows us, is the reason why Jesus said this, is because He's saying, listen, you're putting up a wall between you and God. As soon as you say, I will not forgive, means you're walking out of love. As soon as you walk out of love, love itself now cannot have anything to do with you, because you are not allowing it to have anything to do with you. Get it? You're the one that shuts the door. It's never God, it's always you. You shut that door, and then the forgiveness that you're looking for is no longer there, because you shut the door on Him. And that's the reason why it says, you know, again, the English is very bad translation, when it says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in Heaven forgive you your trespasses. What He's, what he's trying to get across to you is, your decision not to do it, stops Him 
from wanting to do what he wants to do. If you hold a grudge, then you are, you are putting up a wall and stopping him from blessing you, and he can't do anything about that. So in our sense, in, in the way that we can understand, see, Jesus uh, is not going to spend six hours trying to explain that to someone. Short form. You don't forgive, he can't forgive. He won't forgive because he can't forgive. We lose a lot in translation, by the way. We, we have a lot of things that we, we don't have actual words for. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? So, you know, we so need to be careful how we preach this and where we're coming from. All right, all right, let's get back to this. Okay. <clears throat> so it is a love that proceeds from the fact that He is love and why God gave what was most dear to Him. That's why He gave what was most dear to Him. It doesn't make any sense if God was willing to give up what was most dear to Him and then He just says, I'm not going to forgive you. Because you know what? You're not forgiving somebody, so I'm just not going to do Because I just want to spite you and I don't like you. And it doesn't work. Get it? It doesn't work. Everything has to be read in light of everything else. When you see this, then you need to make sure that you understand everything fits into that. This is a key verse. John 3.16 is a key verse, not just to get saved, but to understand God Himself. And to understand the whole Bible, in fact. That's why I like it that, was it Martin Luther who said that it is a mini gospel. It's the gospel in miniature. It's there, it's all there. If we get this little gospel, everything else will make sense. And if it doesn't make sense in light of this verse, then go and check to see how the verse has been translated elsewhere, because something isn't right. Your understanding of it, or the translation of it, isn't right. Amen? Not every English translation is right, by the way. Alright. Always go back to the Greek and Hebrew. And if that doesn't work, just go back to the Spirit. He'll tell you, yeah, no, that's not what I meant. Go, okay, thanks. <laughs> okay? Alright. Alright, back to this. In other words, just the statement, God so loved the world in itself would have come as a complete shock to Nicodemus, let alone finding out that his whole system of doing good works to get into heaven was also being replaced by, you must be born again. You got to feel for this guy, man. I mean, this is his whole life. This is what he's been teaching. Yeah, he's just, this is, he, he's teaching everybody this stuff. What is he going to teach in synagogue school next week? Okay, so you know how we've been talking about this? Well, that wasn't right. And you know how I said about that ain't right either, <laughs> okay? They go, we're going to change synagogue schools. Man, this guy do not know what he's talking about. No. <laughs> Listen, remember, he came around. Everything Jesus said suddenly clicked. All those kids that were coming to synagogue school and were learning from him would have had a very different lesson following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Be interesting to see what he started to preach, huh? I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he started teaching them, you'd have to get born again. They all go, you got to be kidding, it was bad enough the first time. <laughs> you know, kids, you know. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, it would have just been a whole new thing for him. And he would have said, yes, it is important to do the right thing. But it's more important to be right with God inside. Amen? Amen. Okay. So further to all this, John MacArthur points out that the word so emphasizes the intensity 
or greatness of his love. You know, when it says, for God so loved the world. With William Hendrickson adding that it was a love rich and true, full of understanding, tenderness and majesty. For God is ever full of life and full of love. I love that. Amen? Hallelujah. When you are in the presence of God, you should come out energized, not drained. If you're going into your prayer closet and you're coming out drained, check what you're doing. Okay? You might be more in a religious thing than in the presence of God Himself. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. I want to teach on that more, but I will get on to that when, I, when we conclude the armor of God, because following the armor comes prayer, needless to say. All right? And there's a whole reason why all that goes back to back. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. In fact, as a Spirit-filled life Bible puts it, God's love will never seek anything but the highest good for fellow mankind. Even in judgment, it is God's desire to be loving and merciful towards us. And why the Apostle James warns us in James chapter 2 and verse 13, For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. So we need to be careful. Whatever you sow, you reap. Amen? Alright, Galatians 6-7. But he says, But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy toward you will win over His judgment against you. Alright, let me talk to you about this for just a moment. Always remember, there are so many things that you can be judged on. Just because you don't remember them, doesn't mean they're not going to be judged. Do you hear what I'm saying? Alright? We have to be so careful how we approach people and how we approach situations. So much of the time, we're the good guy and everybody else is the bad guy, so to speak. Okay? I know that's true in my life. I'll just speak from my life, okay? And I have to remind myself that as much as I think about myself and as highly as I think about myself, I am perfect. And if God decided to go down the list and tell me all the things that were wrong with me, I'd probably get depressed and just crawl and just under a rock somewhere. How do you know that? Because He told me one day. Because I was carrying on about something and He said, you're not perfect. I said, well, God... Yeah, I know I've got a few imperfections. But this person, he said, would you like me to start on yours? He said, well, you're starting on theirs. Would you like me to start on yours? He said, for every one of theirs, I'll give you one of yours. Oh, suddenly I want them to look very saintly. Listen to me. How you judge, you'll be judged. Jesus said, Matthew 7, 1. So we need to be careful. When we judge others, we get judged. It just happens. That's just how the thing works, okay? So, we need to be really, really careful that we show mercy every opportunity we get. Okay? And as much as you want to wring somebody's neck. And that happens to me on the road sometimes. When people cut you off and do really dumb things. Can I get a little witness? Oh, come on, you're not all saints. Alright, okay? You know, some people just, 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 you know. Okay? And you really, you just think, oh dear Lord, you know, in the old days I used to say, get them God, get a cop car over them and just pull them over and just take their license away. Full of mercy and grace. Yeah. 
Wonder why those prayers didn't get answered. Anyways, <laughs> you know. And then one day God just, you know, I was, I was having one of those times and God just reminded me of how I used to be. Oh, I forgot. I was like that and worse. And he said, aren't you glad that I was so merciful towards you? I said, oh yeah, I remember. He said, now you pray like that was you. And what would you like somebody to pray over you? To get you where you are now. I was like, bless him Lord. Uh, give him wisdom. Show, the error, show them the error of their ways. And keep him safe and, you know, as much as you can, while you can. As much wrong as they're doing. You know, without getting him killed. You know, just, you know what I'm trying to say? You know, God can answer that prayer. God can get a police car to pull them over and, saying, and just say to them, I'm giving you a warning. As opposed to God giving you a ticket. Hello. You know what? And then you'll get that mercy on you. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And when you're driving down the road, and a spider jumps on your windshield, and you're using it, and you're accelerating, you know, that happened to me, okay? And a police guy is right behind you, and he's going, I wonder what this fool is doing. He's got his windscreen wiper on, he's driving all over the road, because I was, you know? And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to blow the spider off, and then I'm increasing my speed so it'll fly off, and he's right behind me watching all of this. Because I'm looking at the spider, not what's behind me. And when he pulls me over, he's like, are you okay? And I said, I didn't know you were there. It's obviously, you know. And he said, you were kind of all over the road there. And I said, oh, you wouldn't believe me. But, you know, and I told him, he said, a spider, eh? Haven't heard that one before. And he said, all right, then I'll I'll let you off with a warning. And uh, praise God. He really was a spider. Anyway, okay. (laughs) I realized later on that I had parked under a whole bunch of trees. You know how some places, they just have all these trees and, and, you know, something got on there, man. It was big. And now you want the spider to come back, you know. See, here he is, you know. But it's too late. You've blown him off and put windscreen wiper all over him and everything. And it's probably in pieces now. Anyway, can we get back to this? Please. Okay, thank you. All right. (laughs) In his commentary, D.A. Carson points out that Christians were not born Christians. They were by nature objects of wrath. That's Ephesians 2.3. Despite this desperate status, they were made alive with Christ because of God's great love for them. This God who is rich in mercy. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the revelation that the Apostle shared with the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 where he writes, As for you, before you were saved, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In verse 2 he says, In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I'm reading from the New International Version, by the way. Verse 3. All of us, notice that the Apostle Paul included himself in that, okay? Also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Remember, he was arresting people and killing people. 
thought he was doing God a big favor. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Amen. So this shows us a lot of different things here. First of all, let me go back to the top. We are not born Christians. You know, <laughs> I remember somebody coming up to me and, you know, they were talking about their children and said, you know, I said, so is everybody saved in the family? I don't know. Somehow the thing came up and said, oh yeah, pastor, they were born Christians. You can't do that. That doesn't work like that. But, <laughs> but that's okay. You can get around things. You can talk to people, okay? And you can just say, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. And everybody say this together. Let's help the people that want to get saved. To, to, to feel like they've got a bit of company. As we all say this out loud. So you just get all the people that think they're born Christians saved. And also the one little guy that... And they go, oh, thank God that guy said it because he needed to be saved. No, you need to get saved too. Now you're in. Now we're good. Okay, so, you know. Amen. There's always ways around things. Just be smart. All right. Don't have to get into fights with people. Okay. So, it says here that they were by nature objects of wrath. And we need to understand this. Before we knew about God and before we committed our life to Him, we were all going in a different direction. We were all going in that direction that the world set us on, which the God of this world set us on. All right? It's all about you. You get through this. You make it. It's all about you achieving something and you pushing ahead. And don't get me wrong, that is a part of our soul. Okay? Remember I talked talk to you about spirit, soul, body? Okay? Okay, part of our soul prosperity is to excel in our job, is to excel at what we're called to do. Okay? Whether that has a very strong spiritual nature to it, or whether it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Everything at the end of the day is a blessing to the kingdom of God. You might go to a government department and think, well, this is very unspiritual, but can I just say this? If the person dealt with you nicely, if they were kind to you, if they looked after you, if they went out of their way, you feel like God just blessed you. So don't tell me that you are in a job that is the furthest thing from a church and blah, blah, blah. Sweetheart, you're the church. Every person that comes to you can feel like they just had church in the middle of the week. Amen? And they just feel like God just blessed them and looked after them and wow! Thank you God! Wouldn't that be lovely if they walked away from whatever service you're giving them and felt that way? Rather than, you know, like the Asterix comics, you know, with the little balloon with the question marks and the hash marks and you know, this guy isn't, yeah, isn't, yeah. Those are not good things. (laughs) Exclamation marks. You know, all those things. Alright. We need to understand that we were going our own way. And in spite of that, God still so loved us that He was willing to give His very best just for the chance that we'll say yes. There was no guarantee that we would say yes. Have you ever thought about that? There was no guarantee. You know, if we want to do something extraordinary, we want some guarantees. Come on, can, can, can I be real here a little bit? Okay, we're not going to do that unless we have dot, dot, dot. Can you see the amount of faith that God had, that Jesus had? I mean, He decided to go do all of this believing that we would all come to our senses. Isn't it wonderful how much God loved us? 
Amen? Alright. So, so, that's what Ephesians is all about. When he says, again, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Amen? In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air. Alright? In light of these verses, Jesus' statement that God so loved the world. D.A. Carson says that God's love is to be admired not because the world is so big and includes so many people, but because the world is so bad and so wicked that John elsewhere forbids Christians to love it or anything in it. That's in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17. through 17. There is no contradiction between this prohibition and the fact that God does love it. Isn't that interesting? Christians are not to love the world with the selfish love of participation. God loves the world with the selfless, costly love of redemption. Did you get that? Okay. So, we need to be careful that in our loving the world, we don't become like the world. And allow the world to influence us. We need to love the world to the place where we are willing to give up our life, and our conveniences for them. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Even though they may not treat us really well. This is where you need to understand that God will then bless you. Alright? It is so important that we learn to love people and deal with situations from a place where God will be blessed by our actions, and then God can bless our actions. Okay? What we do so much of the time is that we have learned, and the world has taught us very well, how to fight for our own rights. Again, I'm talking about God to love the world. Okay? And this kind of love. Now, it is important. There are some things that we need to fight for. Alright? But we need to be careful how we fight and where we fight and who we fight. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Okay. Now, the thing is that sometimes it is easy to insist on our own way and to know that we're in the right, okay, and we have rights. Did you get those two things? Okay. All right. So, what this verse is saying is something a little bit different. Now, be careful how you take this verse. Because some people, you know, they just kind of go, oh, just give it all away and let's not... No, we're not talking about that either. Don't be careless either. Remember, we're meant to be good stewards over what God gives us. Amen? So I, I need to balance this out. Because on one hand, you get Christians preaching, you need to be a good steward, you need to fight for the things that, you know, if God's given you something, well then, you need to make sure that you're looking after that, and people aren't taking advantage of that, and blah, blah, blah. Do you understand? And that's true. Okay, so I'm going to give you a balanced thing. Alright, so yes, it is important that we look after those things, and we don't let people abuse what God has given us. Amen. Okay. On the other hand, we need to also understand that if the Lord speaks to us and says, let go. Remember, it's His stuff at the end. Okay, for you to be a good steward is to listen to what He's saying, not insist on what you think should be done about it. Do you get this? Okay, so that's where you need to listen to God. That's why the Apostle Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons, daughters of God. Okay, we, that's the reason why we have to listen. We need to know when to fight and when to let go. 
Hmm? When to know, no, we're not, we're not backing off. We, having done all to stand, stand. Okay? And when we forgive, and we just go, okay, you know what? It's okay. Don't worry about it. We need to know when to do what. That's the reason why prayer is so important. Alright? God so loved the world, and we need to understand how we are to love it as well, and in what way. And we need to ask Him, God, what do I do about this? Amen? And so, you know, again, because we're talking about love today, I just want to share some of those things with you. Okay? And I'm not thinking about anybody here in any particular situation, please, all right? Because I, I'm, I'm learned not to do that. All right? <laughs> okay? But I want to share with you something so that it will help you to balance things out. Amen? So that you know there, is, you know, there, are, there are times when you do stand and fight, and God will say, you needed to fight for that. And He'll disappoint you that you didn't fight. Hence all the armor. Okay, Ephesians 6, alright? But then there are other times that he would just say, let go. Just let go. Because he is seeing something now coming that's not good anymore. Are you all here? And he can see ahead. And if you were to see that, and you were to understand the consequences, you would listen to what he was saying. You would in fact do exactly what he said to do. You would say, yeah God, that's a really good idea. I get it. I see that. Let's not do this here. Because something small over here can become gigantic at the other end. Amen? Alright. Enough wisdom. Let's leave it there for today. I hope you learned something. Again, I'm not racing through the life of Jesus. I need you guys to learn concepts. I need you to learn to grow up in things. And that's the reason why I'm not rushing through this. Amen? I want to get through it. Sometimes I just want to just read everything and just get from one end to the other. And I think, what's the point? Okay? You guys are here not just to speed through the life of Jesus and say, yeah, I got my piece of paper, I did the whole life of Jesus. Okay, that's not what you're here for. You are here to learn the wisdom that is in these pages, in the Bible. Amen? Sometimes better to know a little bit really well than a whole bunch and not at all. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's stop there. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed as we conclude college for this year, for 2016. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for this amazing time in your word, for this incredible topic. I know I'm enjoying it thoroughly, and I just thank you, God, that it is the greatest life that was ever lived. And everything that was said were the greatest words that were ever spoken. And Father, we want to study everything, his life and everything he said. Everything you said, Jesus, is important to us. Especially because we are meant to be conformed to your image and we are meant to be thinking your thoughts. We are meant to be walking in your wisdom and allowing you to have the greatest influence on our life. Hallelujah. So we just need to be sharper and smarter. And we just thank you, God, that the further in we go in this, the better we get at it. And it opens the door for unlimited blessings to come upon us and overtake us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming to college for the whole year.